So uh, this morning we're going to talk about fears. Not that you would have any. Not that you have anything going on or anything, as I shared earlier. We're really not going to talk about fears. We're going to talk about the future. Uh, we're going to talk about Daniel. But uh, one of the big things about uh, the section that we're in is that Daniel is fearful. We'll get back to that. But I want to share with you some scripture. Um, and if you are one that... Um, you only stay engaged to the sermon for about two to three minutes, and then you zone out. Uh, these are your two to three minutes, and I want to tell you to get your pencil out, uh, write these down. Uh, you're going to need these this week, this week, okay? Uh, and then once I get through reading these scriptures, you can zone out and think about bears and your um, if you need any more school clothes or whatever, whatever you zone out with. I'm just kidding. You should pay attention attention intently throughout the whole sermon. Let me read these to you. Uh, these are some verses on fear uh, and why we should not be afraid. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. Um, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Think of that, these verses and the verses two and three, uh, if we saw that happening, what would we do? What are your natural instinct be to do? If you're not freaking out, you're not seeing what's going on, right? But the reason that we don't freak out, though even the mountains uh, start rumbling and uh, even be thrown into the sea like California may be one day, um, God is our refuge and strength and he's uh, present and in our times of trouble, he's present. And I want to encourage you with that today. If you're times of trouble, uh, God is a God who is present during those times. He's present with you. Psalm 27, 1. God's word says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There are many um, that could conquer you. There are many that are stronger. Uh, there are many armies and people. Uh, there are many that you might have enemies. Um, but why would you not fear? Because there's a reason. Because you have the Lord. He is the one that is your light, your salvation. He is the one who is the stronghold, the, the one that gives you strength. Psalm 34, verse 4. Uh, God's word says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Dear woman in our church that has since passed away, confessed to me one time that she has many fears. Uh, and apart from the Lord, she would have many more. Um, but God is the one who delivers you from your fears. He's the one who makes the difference. Psalm 23 verse 4. I'm very uh, familiar. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, it's not that we don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's that we do. There are real dangers around. The valley of the shadow of death is the, the, the place where ambush is going to happen. Uh, the place where you can't see where the bad guys are. Uh, and he says this. He says, even though I walk through that, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's not that they're not scary, but he won't fear. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I just want to, that rod and that staff, people have talked a lot. Uh, he has the tools to smash anything that's evil. And it's a comfort to us who feel at risk. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All these verses we could say a lot, but I just want to say this. Uh, who makes the difference in your fears? Who's the one who says, I will? Uh, it's not about you being strong. It's about him being strong and him saying he will uh, participate and be the one that will make the difference for you. He's the one that will uphold you and make you stand. And then in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, I was thinking about this. Um, I was looking at my chickens this week. Uh, it says this, that are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable. You have more value than many sparrows. God, I ask that you would uh, cause us to trust in you in the days and weeks ahead. God, I ask that you would calm our fears that are many. I ask that you would teach us to be a people that are courageous, and uh, especially I think of the parents here t today, and I, I ask that you give them a, a special grace upon grace that they might uh, walk faithfully with you and show that, give that picture uh, to their children who look up to them. God, uh, it's not that this world isn't a dangerous place, it's not that there aren't many things to fear, but... Uh, we can trust in you to be enough for us in this day and the days to come. God, grant your church courage today in Jesus' name. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10. For those of you who are still with me, Daniel chapter 10. We're going to look at uh, Daniel chapter 10. It's in the midst of our study on the book of Daniel. Uh, most of you know Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and this is the section, the latter section, uh, that we've been in that's talking about the things to come. <clears throat> and everybody wants to know what's coming next, right? Everybody. Uh, so even little kids, you know, when you're on a road trip, they don't go, oh, I don't really care what's happening. I don't care how long it takes to get there. I don't care when lunch and what snacks we like. I don't care. They, kids want to know. And you want to know, right? You want to know what's coming next. And I want to tell you, Daniel wanted to know what was coming next. He had seen the last few scenes, 
in the life of God's people. And he goes, oh, no, what's coming next? Uh, And so this is where we are in our study of the book of Daniel. We have seen uh, a focus on the different uh, world kingdoms that have already come about, the Babylonian Empire, uh, the the Medes and the Persians, and we, we see also Greece and Rome uh, being thought of in, in the things that are to come. And, and now we see in chapter 10, Daniel has another vision that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, as I usually do, I'm, I usually ha- read the whole thing. I'm not going to read all of chapter 10. It would take us too long, but I'm going to march us through it section by section, making comments uh, and hopefully giving you a better picture of what's going on in Daniel chapter 10. I should pray. God, help us uh, as we look at your word right now, uh, that we might know, that we might hear from you. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that we don't have to live in fear, though there are many fearful things. Uh, God, we know you are bigger than them. We know that you're in control. We know that you have a home for us, and you're working out your plan, and that we can trust you. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, first few verses, uh, verses one through three. And in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who, whose name, who's named Belshazzar. Um, and, and the word was true, and it was a, a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat, uh, or, or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full three weeks. Um, we see this as kind of the setting of, uh, of this vision that uh, Daniel, uh, he marks the time, is the third year of Cyrus the king, and uh, it's kind of hard to put some of these things together of Cyrus the king and the, uh, Darius the king, but it seems as though Darius and Cyrus were different, in charge of different areas that Daniel was in at that time. And so uh, even as you see Cyrus in chapter 9, I'm sorry, Darius in chapter 9, as Cyrus, it's probably simultaneously and beginning at the same time. And so now it's three years later uh, this, this vision that Daniel has, we talked about this and and I want to remind you of this is very important for context. I think, um, that Daniel is an old man at this time. He is an old man. He is not a young man. As you start the book of Daniel, uh, he's probably somewhere between 15 to 20. Um, and as he, we come to this vision, he, you know, he's 84 or 85, if you do the math correctly, 84 or 85. And, um, you know, some of you are around that age. And so you can know what that's like. And in fact, I think about what it is. Um, what, what do kids get afraid of? What do kids get afraid of? Everything, right? Everything. Uh, uh, the the, you know, the monster under the bed, the monster in the closet, the monster in the dark thunder, lightning, like, like they, they get uh, uh, afraid of any, everything. Why do older people not get afraid of those things? Because they've been through it before, right? Have you ever uh, known someone who's been through very difficult times? Uh, and, and you talk to them, and they, they don't have that, they don't have a good adrenaline rush, right? 
It's hard to get them worked up about things, right? And why? Because they've seen other things, right? I think of one of uh, uh, men that I got to work with. I think of Pastor Mike Lohr, and he was in Vietnam. And he, he told me one time, he says, it's really hard. Once you've seen crazy things and, and you know, you, you've seen things happen before your eyes and even had people die in your midst, it's hard to get excited about things. Like, it's hard to get worked up. And uh, that's what happens, uh, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Some of you are just too tired to get worked up about anything, right? And you're just like, oh, just another thing. But uh, this idea, the older you get, the more you have seen, and the, the more difficult it is to really uh, send, send you off the rails because you have seen before. And, and by the way, uh, that's good if we've walked with the Lord for a long period of time, Right? Because we've seen his faithfulness before, and when we come up to these challenges, we say, no big deal. My God had that behind. My God will take care of this in the front as well. And so Daniel is 84, 85, and um, it seems as though the first wave of people have gone back to Jerusalem. Remember, he was taken into captivity from Jerusalem, and he had been there for uh, 70 years probably at this time. And so now we had seen the, um, the, uh, that God shown him that it was going to be 70 years. And as those 70 years, some of the people had gone back. Daniel had not gone back to Jerusalem, um, probably because uh, he was old and he didn't want to be a part of the rebuilding. Uh, you know, that wasn't uh, an old man's job. And also, uh, he probably was needed and uh, was faithful to his work uh, in the government of um, as he was connected, you realize through all the different um, world kingdoms that Daniel was a trusted advisor for all. And so uh, you see him at this time. Uh, and, and what does he say? He was mourning for three weeks. He was mourning. So uh, this was the time. He was an older man. And it says he was mourning. He was, he was burdened. And it says that he ate no delicacies, no meat, or wine entered his mouth. And what did he have access to, do you think? Being an important man in the kingdom, he could eat anything he wanted to, right? There was no, uh, he wasn't eating uh, chuck roast, right, uh, uh, on sale. He was eating the fine stuff, the filet mignons. Uh, what kind of wine was he drinking? He wasn't drinking the, what is it, the three buck or four buck chuck or whatever they call it. He was, two, uh, the, you know, Inflation, you know, I don't know. But uh, he, he, was, he, he was drinking the good stuff. He was having the wine. He was having all that he wanted. Um, but because of his heart being burdened and mourning, uh, what, what was he doing? He was, he was burdened by this. In fact, it says he did not anoint himself at all for three weeks. And probably the idea is you didn't take a shower. You know, he, you know this was part of their bathing and cleansing. And uh, this idea that for three weeks. And, and so why? Because he was mourning. I, I would say this too, that most likely he was doing this because uh, he was focused on the problems at hand. He was burdened about where was, what was going to happen next for God's people, his people. And so he was burdened, uh, and so for three weeks, this mourning came over him. He had already heard a little bit of the story as you look at uh, Daniel, and so now he is burdened by this again. And in the midst of this, verse 4 happens. 
So he's gone three weeks, um, and he receives a heavenly messenger. Verse 4. If you look down at it, verse 4 says this. On the 24th day of the, of the first month, at, as I was standing at the bank of the river, um, bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt uh, of fine gold from, I can't say that word, um, around his waist. His body was like beryl. Uh, His face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of the burnished bronze, and and the sound of his words like the sound of the multitude. So he has a, a visitor come to him in the midst of this, really, I would say at the end of this time of mourning, uh, he has this visitor come to him while he is standing on this great river, the Tigris, um, that was familiar to all the people of the land. He's looked and, and he saw a man. And, and I want you to get this picture that uh, he had this, this messenger, I believe it's an angel, but it was in bodily form, came and visited him on the side or on the banks of this uh, this river where he is standing. Uh, we'll see in a few moments, there were more people there, but he was the only one who got a picture of this visitor. And he describes the visitor. And I, I want to tell you this, that when you see a description like this, that of something we've never seen before, it's the best they can do, right? They're, they're connecting it with things that we might have a picture of. And so to kind of give us a, a picture, but uh, even as I see Daniel's response, I realize that it's uh, much greater than I could even imagine, even with the description that Daniel gives through the inspiration of God. Uh, clothed in linen, um, it, most believe that this is like the holy garment of heaven that, that it, this man is wearing. Uh, you, you think about the, uh, the different angelic um, visitations in the Bible, and I think especially of the one at the tomb, uh, there's this idea of wearing something, wearing something. And what is it? It's linen or a garment of heaven or a holy or white, this picture. And so you get this as an angel, he's clothed in linen. It speaks of a belt of fine gold from this place. It's probably a place, we really don't know what that word Ufaz or whatever, however you pronounce it, but it's a, a, a gold belt and it's meant uh, to hold the, this garment, um, this linen garment, but also to be magnificent and it was. And so he sees this linen, he sees the gold and he says, uh, there's also this, uh, his body was like a barrel and, and the, the barrel is a word of topaz or crystallite or some kind of amazing gem. And, and what the picture here is that his whole body was like this amazing gem. It, it was something beautiful uh, to look at. And so you start putting these things together. His body was like this uh, amazing stone gem, uh, the gold belt, the linen, holy garment of heaven. And uh, he moves on to in verse 6. He says, his face like the appearance of lightning and his light, his eyes like flaming torches. Um, when he looked upon his face, it even stood out 
in the midst of the beauty of the rest of his body, uh, the gem, the belt, the, the linen, that his face was even greater. It was this picture of, of brilliance and light coming from his face. You can remember, we won't turn there, but in Revelation chapter, four, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, it talks about the, the presence of Jesus and the, the look. And, and some of this is very uh, connected, very, very much like that. And so uh, even... You know, I, I don't necessarily believe this is Jesus in this passage. It could be, could be. Uh, there's no description that would tell us more uh, or positively ID, but know this, that some of these things are connected with the presence of the resurrected Jesus when he comes again. It says his arms and his legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, the idea of shining bronze. And so you get this amazing picture of the gem of his body, the, the linen, the gold, the, his face being brilliant, but then the legs being this polished, uh, polished bronze that was strong and, and impressive. And then lastly, he says this one uh, thing that I thought was interesting, and it, it, it's kind of different. It says, and the sound, everything else was looking, but now the sound of his words, like the sound of a multitude. And, and the picture here is either, either or both uh, of the, the, the amount of sound that came out was loud, it was loud, or it was like a, a bunch of voices at the same time in unison, the crowd saying to him, this, this is the sound, and this is the picture of this, uh, this um, visitor that Daniel has. Now, I want to ask you, well, uh, this is what I would say, that the picture, the totality of the picture of this visitor is for Daniel is that he is, first of all, ready for war, ready for war. He, he, it's this, this powerful picture of strength, but also um, a, an attractive, uh, an amazing, awesome uh, picture that this is one of authority, okay? So if you think about it, ready for war, authority to, to be listened to, Um. What would you respond if you were standing on the bank of Cub Lake and one like this visited you? I don't know. Like I, I told you before, some of these things I was just trying to get like an accurate picture in my mind doing the math. But, but then I hear what Daniel's response is and it, it, it causes me to think differently. Verse 7 and he says, and I, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, uh, for the men that were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Uh, so, I left, uh, so I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Let me try to unpack that for you. So Daniel has this vision. He sees this man. He sees this man and he describes it. Uh, the other men did not see that man. What did the other men see? They saw Daniel. They saw Daniel. And they were afraid of what Daniel looked like. And so they ran and fled. They took off. And so I'm thinking, 
they didn't even see uh, the vision of this. But Daniel was so changed uh, in this moment uh, that it says, my radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Um, You've seen people who have seen things that are really scary and you say, what's wrong? What's wrong? What happened? What happened? I don't want to talk about it. You know, uh, uh, and, and this is kind of the thing magnified for Daniel, that he saw something that they didn't see, but just in them seeing him, they ran, ran and fled. They said, we can't deal with this. We're out of here. Um, I think it's interesting, too, in verse uh, 8, it says, Daniel says, and I retained no strength. I wasn't strong enough for this. I wasn't strong enough. But I want you to think about that. Um, there are plenty of things that will go on in your life um, as you think about what's really happening that you will uh, look to your gas tank. You will look in there and it'll have that empty clanking feeling, right? You say, I don't have enough for this. I've spoken with plenty of you. I've been that guy before where um, I see what's going on or I see the future, not in the sense of like prophetic, but I see kind of what's going to happen, kind of what is on the agenda in my mind. And I go, I don't have the strength for this. I don't know if I can make it. Uh, you know, I feel like heading for the couch here, right? You know, and uh, I, I, I don't have what I, it takes for whatever's ahead. Some of you have dates ahead, right? You have dates that you're fearful of. August 11th, October 1st. Maybe August, you know, there's some date maybe in your mind that you're fearful of. Maybe it's the end of the year. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a doctor's appointment and you know what day that's supposed to be on and you're like, I'm fearful of that day. I don't know if I have enough for that. And I just want to tell you, I don't know if this is something that will encourage you or, you know, Uh, You go, oh, no, if Daniel's freaking out, maybe I should too. But know this, that the 84, 85-year-old Daniel, who'd seen captivity, who'd been taken into captivity as a young man, he is flipping out after what he sees. And uh, it says that he has changed in his person. And he says, I had no strength. I retained no strength. Um, so there it is. That's kind of what uh, is happening. And I, I want to say this. I probably should have said it earlier. Chapter 10 of da- the book of Daniel sets up chapter 11 and 12, the grand finish of this. And so um, this is kind of the intro message to these last important chapters, very detailed on what is to come. So stay tuned. Um, so Daniel, uh, we see him alone and fearful. And then we move to verses 9 through 14, where we find the terrifying words of the messenger. It says this, uh, verse 9, Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a a hand touched me and, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, 
Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent, uh, for now I have been sent to you. And when uh, he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, uh, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. I'll just stop there and make some comments. Um, so uh, Daniel had this appearance. These words now were terrifying. It wasn't just the appearance. The appearance was terrifying, but now the words were terrifying, uh, the words that he was hearing. In the midst of these terrifying words, in the midst of these terrifying words, we heard this before. I think it was in chapter 9. Uh, did, did you hear it? I hope I, I read it in such a way that you would hear it. Verse 11, it stands out to me that he said uh, the message from the messenger to Daniel, he says, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, greatly loved. Now, uh, love is very powerful, right? It's very powerful. And I don't say that in a, a Care Bears sort of way, right? Uh, this isn't just about, you know, uh, you know, love is what the world needs and just some kind of generic. I'm talking about the love of God, the love of God. And, and, and I want to say this, that the love of God should be in you husbands. The love of God should be in you husbands, and your wife should know how God loves because of her husband's love. And, and you wives, the love of God should be in you to love your selfish husbands. Just guessing. Uh, to love them. To love them. And, and your kids, your bratty kids, I do know some of them. Uh, your bratty kids should know the love of God from their parents and their grandparents. Because God has loved you, then we love them. It's, it's a pretty simple thing. And apart from the love of God, um, it's going to be messed up in some way. It's going to be some kind of transactional thing where if the kids are good, you love them. And if they're not, you don't. And uh, if your husband does what you want him to do, you'll be nice to him. If you're not, you'll punish him. Uh, and like, like there's all this transactional thing. If you do this, I'll do this. And, uh, but, but the love of God should impact you first, and that should impact the relationships you have. That wasn't in my notes. I just wanted to say that. Um, but for Daniel, for Daniel... 84, 85-year-old man, uh, he's reminded by the messenger that he has loved greatly. And I want to tell you that should be encouragement for you in the midst of chaos and in the midst of things that don't make sense to you. And you should remind each other of that. I think of you couples here. And when you're going through a tough time, wives, husbands, you should look at each other and go, but God loves us. He loves us. If he loves us, he's going to take care of us, and he can take care of us, and he will take care of us, and we can trust him. And for Daniel, he was reminded by this angelic messenger, unnamed angelic messenger, that he is loved, uh, he is greatly loved. And this message is not a message to just terrify him, but to prepare him for the days ahead. These terrifying words that he's hearing uh, he's reminded that God loves him in the midst of 
things that are going on. So, so Daniel, he was worried about his people. They'd already been through 70 years of captivity. He was wanting to know what's next or what's going to happen in the future. And seeing these things, seeing and hearing what we're going to hear in the next couple of chapters, it was terrifying to him. He's reminded that God greatly loved him. And I want to tell you this too. God's plan is not for this earth. God's plan is not for this earth to get better. I want you to get that. It's not. It's not. Um, If you're hoping in things getting better in the future, I think that they can get better, and there might be seasons and times where things get better. But know this. There's going to be a destruction and abandonment of this earth. Okay? And for us, our hope is not in this earth. It's hope, hope is in the one who carries us to the end. We talked about um, the one who loves us greatly. Anyways, okay. Uh, so as we look at, um, he, he's greatly loved. And then the messenger says to him, verse 12, uh, he kind of props him up. And in verse 12, he says, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, fear not. And I always think that's funny because um, angels and people and Jesus and in the Bible, uh, always saying, fear not. Why? Because people fear, people fear. And the world's a scary place. And so there's this reminder, not, um, it's, it's funny because uh, we try to train our kids from the very uh, youngest youngest uh, days that uh, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of the thunder. You don't have to be afraid of the lightning. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. See, there's nothing here. We turn on the lights. There's nothing here. Um, I don't want to freak anybody out, but uh, sometimes there's bad things in the dark, right? Sometimes you say, well, you don't have to be afraid about tomorrow. Oh, I don't? Everything's good going to happen tomorrow? Everything that I want? Most of you know that maybe tomorrow's not going to be all that great, right? And so the fearing not is not that we would not uh, experience any difficulty or that uh, things won't get worse or or any of these things, but fearing not is that uh, there's a God who has a plan, and not just that he has a plan, but that he loves you. He loves you. And so we can trust him. And so uh, he calls on him to not fear, uh, calls on Daniel to not fear this older man who has seen a lot, who's greatly loved. He's called on to not fear. Um, and even this, I, I think this is uh, great too, that um, after he says, fear not, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. What were his words? His words were him seeking him in prayer. Remember that Daniel was a man of prayer and that every time uh, that he, even probably those three weeks was him begging God to reveal to him and quiet him and help him. And so in response to that, he was sent, this angel was sent to him. Um, He's come because of his words. Now, verse 13, uh, as we look at this, we see, just a very small picture of what is going to happen in the next two chapters. Uh, And and he says this, verse 13. He says, uh, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. 
Uh, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, for I was left there uh, with the kings of Persia. Ooh, what is that? Um, we don't know. We're going to see more of that in the future, but know this. This angel was saying this, that uh, somehow he was thwarted for 21 days. He was thwarted for 21 days from coming to Daniel. Uh, so we can deduce, and I think it plays out in the verses following, that this angel was thwarted by a demon. Uh, if you think about demons and angels, good angels uh, serving the Lord, demons, fallen angels, uh, at the beck and call of Satan himself. And so you, you have these competing angels, and, uh, good and evil, you know, dark and light, however you want to look at it. You have demons and you have angels that are doing the bidding of our God. And so God sends an angel to Daniel, but this angel says to him that this particular prince of Persia, <laughs> prince of Persia, um, some kind of angelic adversary thwarted him for 21 days or, or um, had this engagement with him. I, I want to point out some things here that I think are helpful. Maybe they're not. And some of you are tuned out anyways. Um, verse 21 it talks about the, this prince of Persia. Persia. Uh, whatever this prince of Persia is, and I believe him to be an angel or a demon, um, God has sent this angel to go to be with Daniel, and this angel wants to thwart that. I think that tells us about what the plan of the enemy is. Satan, his demons, what are they trying to do? They're trying to thwart the plan of God. Um, they're going to lose, but there's this idea that that's what they do. They're against the will of God. And so if they're against the will of God, they're against the messengers of God. And I want to even say this then they're against the child of God. They're against the church of God, right? I, I think sometimes we think that uh, everyone's going to be on our team and that righteousness will prevail in a sense of like, we'll all vote on it and everyone will agree that God's way is the best way. I want to tell you, there's, there's, we have an enemy. We have adversaries that are out there. And this is happening in this realm as well as uh, the one we cannot see. And this is, uh, I was telling Rebecca that I don't really want to say this, but I'm going to anyways. It connects this to the Prince of Persia, okay? And then it's going to, uh, later, um, later in the passage, it's going to talk about the Prince of Greece. And uh, we don't know about this. Like, we don't know what this connection to is. But at least in these two instances, these demons were connected to a kingdom, to a government, okay? To a government kingdom. Uh, I just want to say that. Uh, some of you were fine when I said kingdom, and then I said government, and you started breaking out in a rash. Um, and, and I want to say it this way. Most, if not all, governments are anti-Christ, anti-God. I want you to think about that. Most, if not all, governments are anti-God, anti-Christ. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. What is their goal? Their goal is to rule, is to rule. I'm not talking, you know, I don't want to say that the Bible talks about uh, just anarchy, no government or anything, but this idea of man ruling over other men 
This is not the picture of Scripture. It's any kind of leadership or rule is that they would be under God, that they would be under God, and in their leadership, they would be serving the people that they're leading. I want to tell you, that's not government here today. Very few times and instances do you have where a government says, I, uh, I humbly walk before God that we might make right decisions and honor him as I serve the people. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so what we get involved with here down on this earth, whether it be our, our present time and place, but if we lived in another country or another time, what we see is most, if not all, human governments like the Greeks, like the Persians and the Babylonians, they're anti-Christ, anti-God. And so as you look at this, God, uh, his plan was for this messenger to come to Daniel and there was this identified as the prince of Persia, prince of Persia standing as an angelic adversary. Um, and then he says this, what's going to be this message that is shared in the next couple of chapters? Um, why did he come? Verse 14, and I came and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for the days yet to come. And so uh, we can just mark that and say that chapter 11 and 12, what is the message? It is for that which is to come, is to come. From the point of time of Daniel, when he's 84, 85, it's to come. And so we'll sort out where that is to come in the days ahead, in the weeks ahead. Lastly, um, strengthen to hear, verses 15 through 21. And we'll see more of this. Uh, Daniel says this, when he, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. Um, you think about some of you like to talk a lot. and We, we know things are big when you're not talking, right? Uh, we know when it, it, you, you're without words, it's a big deal. This was true of Daniel. Uh, I turned my uh, face to the ground and was mute. Verse 16, and behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips and then opened my mouth and, I, and spoke. I, I said to him who stood before me, O oh, oh my Lord, by reason uh, of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I, I retain no strength. This is kind of what he said before. Now he's saying it again. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Verse 18. Again, uh, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. Love it, right? Put those two together. Greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me, and I was strengthened. And he said, let, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Uh, but now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, Behold, the prince of Greece will come, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except, for these, except Michael, your prince. Okay, so let me summarize some of that. Uh, once again, he goes through and he is, he is undone. He's out of strength. He can't handle it. He's frustrated and, and more than that, fearful. 
And so uh, the, the messenger reminds him, what? He reminds him that he is greatly loved. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because uh, this angel, but also God behind the angel, is with him. But what is the message? What, what is kind of the structure of what this message is? Uh, Prince of Persia, Prince of Greece, Right? And this angel says, I'm going to do battle with the prince of Persia. I did battle with the prince of Persia. Now the prince of Greece. And there's no one to help me. There's no one to help me except for Michael, another angel. Most likely the strongest angel uh, of all the angels. And he says, that's your angel. That's your angel. Uh, the one that is uh, with me is Michael, your angel, your prince, uh, is by my side to fight. Um, he says in this last verse here that, that I read, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. Uh, there's no real identification of what that book is, the book of truth, but know this, that it's the book of God's writing historical truth. Um, even if men aren't acting in sin, even if they're not acting in sin, tell me a story, tell me a story. And so you tell someone a story and someone else could tell that same story in a different way, right? Uh, Either they weren't there and they heard from somebody or they were there and they had a different perspective or they showed up late or they were closer to the speaker. Like they have different perspectives on what went on, right? Uh, if, if you wonder about this, uh, go to a Dodgers-Giants game, right? It matters who you're cheering for, right? And so there's a different perspective there. there there's, you know, it was a terrible game. You know, the Dodgers won. Terrible, you know. The umps were terrible, you know. Too many strikeouts for my team. Uh, we see it from a different perspective. But know this, that what this angel is going to be sharing is truth. It is from God. It is from God. And that which happened and what will happen um, is going to happen because it's God working out his plan. I I try to make a point of that because uh, much of what we fear right now are the plans of men. Plans of men. You know, some of you, when you hear the word mandate, sets your blood pressure going pretty good already, right? Uh, The idea of lockdowns, right? Of wars, of this or that, or if I say the country China, right? Uh, You start going, what's going on? So if I say those words and you're going, does the pastor know something? I don't know. I do not know. You know, I don't even know people who know, right? Uh, I, I, I just want to tell you that, that as we look at this life, I, I want you to remember there's the plan of God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know, dates and times. And then there's the plan of evil men or evil government. And they're going to try. Just as you, you get this picture, this angel comes 21 days, he's thwarted, why? By the prince of Persia. And then there's a prince of Greece behind next, next, next phase, right? Um, know this, that what God is sharing with Daniel 
many years ago. This is what is going to happen. It is. And so we can trust and, and realize that. I want to give you three things as we tie up, and then we'll come back to this, uh, these next couple of chapters in the weeks to come. The first three things I want to remind you of as we close this morning. Spiritual strength is needed for the battle. Spiritual strength is needed for the battle. Is Daniel a godly man? Yes. Yes. Um, it wasn't just that he was a follower of God. It wasn't just that he, he walked with him or even prayed, but he was undone by these things. And I want to tell you, if you think that you're enough for the struggles of your life in the days ahead, you are wrong. You're wrong. And so for us as God's people to remember that we are spiritually needy all the time. And so we need to be thirsty for it, right? You know, uh, you should be knocking each other down to get inside the church on Sunday morning so that you could sing God's praises and hear from his word. And you should be pushing and dragging your kids to come with you. I know it's tough to find the shoes in the morning. I know it is. Um, I love it. It's, you know, some of you have a lot of kids and they start sailing out of the, the van and you're, you're, hey, you forgot your shoes. Somebody doesn't have their shirt on. You know, it's great. Get them here, even if you're late. This is, uh, I'm not saying this building, but for, for us to be thirsty for it, right? And not, not just Sundays, but daily, that we would be thirsty for it. We would be looking for input, because Why are we thirsty? Because we're thirsty. Spiritual strength is needed for the battle. For whatever's going on in your life right now, you, you need help and hope from the Lord. Second thing, things are truly terrifying, but we do not fear because we are loved. You don't have to play mind games and say, it, it, it's not scary out there. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of nothing. You work yourself through it. I am afraid. Oh, but I don't have to be afraid. Why do I not have to be afraid? Because God is faithful and he loves me. How do I know that he loves me? He sent Jesus to die on the cross. He gave the thing that I could not. He, he did it for me. I know that I am loved. And so because I know that I'm loved, I can walk through whatever the scary things are going to happen in the days ahead. Things are truly terrifying, but do not fear you are loved. And thirdly, I'd say this, uh, and I think I mentioned this in the weeks prior. God has an enemy, and so do we. The battle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 is a very important piece that we need to remember. Uh, because a lot of times we think... Uh, you have a battle this week? And you say, oh, yeah, I have a battle. Who do you have to battle against? My boss. My boss. Or the county board of supervisors. Or I don't, I don't know. Who, who is, you know, the, 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 the person who's over me. I have, a, I have an enemy. Some of you say, yeah, I have an enemy. It's my kids. They're plotting against me. Maybe you think it's your spouse. Maybe you think it's your spouse. They're my enemy. I, I, I need to win the battle this week with my spouse. I want to tell you, that's a battle you don't want to win. Uh, there's too many casualties. It's a battle. Um, but in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He says, 
Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you read that and you go, wait a minute. Are you telling me, are you telling me that the battles that are going to go on this week are not really in Bear Valley Springs or Tehachapi. They're not in California. They're not against people like that I have names and I can touch them. There are battles going on and there are things that need to happen, but he takes in verse 12 and puts all the struggles of this life and he says they're in a place you can't see. Against rulers, you don't know. Against authorities, you don't know where they are and what they're saying. This cosmic powers of the present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, not here. And so he says, be ready by putting on the whole armor of God, trusting in him. In verse 10, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. I want to encourage you not to be strong this week, not to try to be strong this week but to find your strength in the God who loves you so much. The one who's enough for you. The one who is mighty. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. God, we ask that you would give us the power and the strength to do this this week. We thank you for your love for us, the, uh, the gift of uh, Jesus you loved us in him and that we might have him and that we might be uh, guilt-free because of him, that we might be strong and strengthened and hopeful and fearless uh, because of him. God, I, I pray that you would grant us strength and wisdom this week as we seek to walk with you. Um, give us wisdom, but also give us strength and courage, uh, the, the strength, even as our strength runs out, even as Daniel's ran out, that your strength would be applied to us. God, protect and strengthen and be glorified in your church this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.